great. Come sit with us. Michelle. Lord Bridgerton. Did you tell the Viscount about your beastie? I got stung. Oh. I am well. Hello, everybody. Bradley here, and welcome back in to Let's Dive Deep. Today, we are diving deep into the hit Netflix series Bridgerton by taking a look at the fourth episode of season two entitled Victory. As always, Let's Dive Deep contains adult content. In this episode, we got two characters get as close to kissing each other before actually doing it about at least a thousand times, I'd say, give or take, you know, 500 on either end. So if you don't want to hear me talk about it or that's not something you want to talk about or listen to uh, for the next hour or two, then maybe this isn't the podcast for you. This podcast is also still spoiler-free past this episode of Bridgerton, so we are not talking about anything that happens past episode four of this show. However, just be aware through Twitter and Reddit and all that good stuff, I have been spoiled on some of the events that happen. Not all of them, I'm assuming, and I, I don't know how we get there. I have not watched the episodes, but if I seem a little clairvoyant, or you start to think, huh, I wonder if this guy knows where this season is going. In some cases, I do, and I apologize for that, but I'm doing my best over here. And finally, before we get started today, make sure to go and like, subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you're listening to it. It is the best way to get it out to more people. There are so many people watching Bridgerton right now, so many people looking for Bridgerton podcasts. Uh, the more you can do to, to review the podcast, to save it, whatever it is, uh, those metrics all kind of help in the podcasting algorithm ether to, to get it out to more people. Also, if you want to just tell somebody about the podcast, that's helpful as well. Like, hey, you like Bridgerton and I know you. So, hey person I know who likes Bridgerton, there's this podcast I listen to that you should listen to is also a good way to get the podcast out to people. We also have a Facebook group you can join to get my instant reactions to each episode and just generally hang about and chat about all kinds of pop culture things not just Bridgerton, pretty much whatever suits your fancy, whatever you want to talk about in there. And we also have a Patreon where you can throw a couple of bucks into the Let's Dive Deep fund to help pay for the hosting fees and everything. And for that, you get early access to all the episodes. Uh, you get uh, access to the show notes in some cases and those types of things. Think of it as like leaving a tip for something you enjoyed is kind of the idea there. And you, you get a little bit of bonus stuff on the side for it as well. So if that's interesting to you, that is in the show notes as well. I think that that's it, that's all though. I believe it is time to dive deep into Bridgerton. Lady Danbury, uh, what are you doing still up? I could ask you the very same. It's cold out here. I'm merely trying to let my sister sleep. I've been tossing and turning far too much. Have you yet told your sister? About the inheritance scheme? I have not. Hmm. At this point, I fear there's no point in telling her. Lady Dunbury, I fear there may be no proposal from the Viscount. I fear I have ruined it for Edwina. Because you two cannot get along. Yes. 
And why, when you are so close to getting what you want, what you need for your family's survival, and what Edwina so clearly wants for herself, are you getting in the way? I do not know. I do not know what to do. There is only one thing to do. Be honest with your sister, with yourself. You must tell her how you feel. About my dislike for the Viscount. About whatever it is you feel. I am going inside. Careful, or you shall catch a chill. Episode 204, titled Victory. There are more than one types of victory going on in this episode, though the first is this episode of Bridgerton. The second is that we have two new members over on our Let's Dive Deep Patreon. My little phone app thingy told me that Max Musterman and Mackenzie Edwards have joined up over there, getting early access to all the podcast episodes and everything. So I just wanted to shut you guys out. Thank you for being awesome. I appreciate it. Also, if you want to do that, that's in the show notes and you can check it out and maybe that's for you. And if not, that's totally cool as well. This episode was again written by Chris Van Dusen. There is a second person who wrote this episode that I forgot to write down when I was watching it, but again, IMDb has completely forgotten them, so whoever wrote the IMDb stuff for this episode was was not ideal. But also, I guess they're not technically wrong, because Chris Van Dusen did help write this one at the very least, and this one was also directed by Alex Pillai. Episode score, super easy for me for this one. I'm going to go 8.1. It is the first episode this season that's not better than the one before it. I really enjoyed A Bee in Your Bonnet. However, this episode is great. It's engaging. It's fun. It's exciting. I'm still liking everything more than season one. There's still nothing in this episode that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I, I just think 8.1, which is I think around what I gave the season premiere episode, is perfect. Considering 7 is my margin for, for being really good. Like Once you're above a 7, there's no kind of big red flags happening with your TV show. 8.1 is just is just great for this episode. My Anthony score is going to be an 8 for this episode, lower than the episode score. I enjoy Anthony this season very, very much. Uh, he had a few rough moments in this episode. There was the the one about the hunting where, where Kate had to like put him in his place like, no, you didn't say that, but you were thinking it. And he was like, yeah, I was, you could tell. He's like, yeah, I was kind of thinking that, wasn't I? And so that that was not a good moment. There's oh, I can't remember what it is. It's in my notes somewhere, so we'll get to it in the deep dive. But there's another moment in this episode where I was like, ah, fucking Anthony. Why, why are we going back to season one, Anthony? Like, do we need to do that? And so I'm going to go with an eight. Anthony had a good episode, if not for a couple of awkward moments where I I was like, oh no, not this Anthony again. As has been the case for every episode of Bridgerton this season so far, there were so many things to enjoy about this one. I'll start with Daphne. I love Daphne in this episode. Uh, Daphne is, she's on the rise. She's coming as the super competent, kind of hyper aware of her sibling's sister who's been through the ringer before and understands things like love now. Uh, big come up from when she didn't know what sex was, which I still hold against all of the people and all of the adults in the show for not telling people. Uh, however, Daphne is here, she's competent, she's grown into the role of a hostess, of somebody who runs a household, of somebody who, who understands how this matchmaking stuff works, who understands how her older brother feels, who can kind of see what everyone else is seeing. And what I like about Daphne here is, is she is there doing her thing, but she's not 
kind of clairvoyant in any way. Like Lady Danbury's noticing these things. Mama Bridgerton's kind of noticing these things. Daphne just has the best way. Maybe it's her age proximity to her brother. Maybe it's that she just so recently went through the social season that maybe it's that like the way Anthony feels about Kate is how she feels about Simon. And maybe she's just picking up on it a little better. So she's just there and competent and fun to be around and laying down the law. And you're just rooting for her, which I really like because the season's not about Daphne, but I enjoy that the characters that, that the, the past seasons were about are here and relevant and fun. And I'm not like, oh, Daphne's here. Just this whole season has been great for her. And I, I've really appreciated Phoebe Denever's performance. I've appreciated the writing for her character has been sublime, just really well done, uh, considering she was a main character coming into like more of a B character, C character role. And everything is just working really well for me with Daphne's kind of way the way she's working through this season so far the featheringtons are just a hot mess in the best way i'm gonna save the term hot mess to describe kate and anthony so we'll, we'll not use it for the featheringtons the featheringtons are just a, just they're just a meme they're just a meme but it's fun it's every time they're on the screen i'm not like ah oh, can we get back to kate and anthony i'm really enjoying my time with the featheringtons which was not always the case in season one uh this, this these plot lines are funny the the whole trapping lord featherington thing is hilarious prudence is just absolutely just hilariously inept at everything and just so socially unaware that i'm really enjoying it but also the fact that mama featherington ended up playing herself was the best part about this whole thing that's super true like the reason the, the Featheringtons aren't poor or in any kind of trouble because they have all of these bad things happen. And they're literally just super inept at dealing with all of these things. And <laughs> Mama Featherington managed to... Like, the fact that Mama Featherington manages to trap Cousin Featherington to marry one of the Featherington daughters, and it all ends up being worse for every Featherington involved, is just... <laughs> it's just such a comedy of errors that I love that plot line. I love that plot line so much in this episode. It's hard for me to say how much I enjoyed it, considering if you had just told me that was going to happen, I would have said that would have been the lamest thing ever. I'll really quickly shout out all the sets, the costumes, and everything. They're all great still. I want to shout out the set design stuff in this episode as well. I feel like... I, actually, let's also shout out so far this season, four episodes in, the directing, the writing, the cinematography. No big problems with any of them. No big problems with any of them. They're all good. So let's just call that there. They're all good. No, no. Sometimes it's hard to, to, to put that in the things I liked section of the episode. So I'll do that here. I wanted to call it the set design though, because I liked the design of Aubrey Hall as it was being set up for not the ball, but the actual kind of picnic event. Uh, these people are here for a couple days at a time and you need to entertain your guests and all of the guys are going on a hunt, but everyone that's not going on the hunt or just after the hunt in the leisure time, there's all these cool little, you know, tarpy looking things like canvases where you can get some shade. There's the little bowling thing. There's the little tables where everyone's drinking tea. It was just like a warm, cozy outside, kind of like patio season on steroids a little bit. And I, I just really vibed. I, I've been to the English countryside in like 2021 or 2020 or whenever it was so not in 1812 or whatever this show is um, but it really is that beautiful the english countryside in the summer really is just that gorgeous that beautiful all of those rolling hills all of the giant sweeping lawns that you can play all these bowling games on and whatever and i really like the set design of that to, to make it feel to make it feel like home to somebody who does not live in England or in a manor house. For someone who lives very much in a normal sized home uh, in the suburbs of Vancouver, Canada in the year 2022, this felt really homely to me, which is an achievement 
considering just how opposite it is from my normal dwelling life. For the first time in a while, there were a few things I didn't like this episode. The first was just Colin's storyline. I just don't need a Colin storyline. I didn't dislike it. If, if the Colin storyline on its own is fine, I get why he went to see Marina. Their conversation was great. Marina just fucking laying down the law with him. Awesome stuff. I liked Sir Philip. Like that Colin finally had somebody who was like, oh, your grease trips are actually kind of cool. Instead of just like, ah, fuck off, Colin. So all of that stuff, good. I didn't dislike any particular thing about it. I just, the pacing up until this episode has been really, really good, and I've enjoyed the amount of side stories we have, but I feel like everyone has a side story going on, and that it's not a problem for me right now, but it can become one really easily, and I think you kind of either had to pick Benedict or Colin to have like a side plot, so Benedict has his art stuff, and Colin has this marina stuff, but I think it's all crammed a little too much together, because you also have the Featherington plot line, which is pretty big, and the Lady Whistledown plot line, which is pretty big, and then Eloise has her kind of plot line, which is kind of in the Lady Whistledown one, but it's also a little bit separate as well, and so that's all happening, and I just don't want it to get too crowded, so I just did not need Colin going to see Marina, and I bet you what they're, what they're doing is setting up Colin for next season i don't know which order the bridgerton books go in or anything so it's possible that next season is colin season and they're kind of setting him up for that my only problem with that is then this isn't enough setup and you need to you need to get rid of the benedict storyline like what are we doing like if colin is the one of next season great then what are we doing with his benedict art storyline if benedict's the one for next season awesome like we don't need to see colin going to see marina like it's just a waste of 10 minutes or whatever it was that we could have spent doing something else. So it's not that I didn't like any particular thing about it. I just didn't need it in this episode. And it was the first time where I felt like possibly every minute of the one time runtime wasn't as, as well used as it could have been. And lastly, in the things I didn't like section, I'm going to be really hypocritical. Bridgerton is a show that requires an immense suspension of disbelief. I fall hook, line, and sinker for all of the lame romancy shit this show does. Like, I, as much as I kind of memed about it in the last episode, the, the balls being hit, like, in the middle of the sports ball game, like, the balls going over to the muck and the mud and the falling over and the holding hands and all that, like, ugh, just, like, right in the heart. However, uh... I like romantic tropes for this show because it's a romantic tropey show, and that's what I'm here for. That's why I'm watching this show, right? So I, I forgive those really easily. What I don't forgive is just lazy writing for dramatic effect. Instead of trying to create drama properly, this show just keeps interrupting characters at the last second, and it did it three times. I, I noted down three times this episode. It's happened a couple of times before this, too, and it's just slowly kind of wearing on me a little bit. Like, every time Kate goes to tell Edwina about this situation with the Sheffields or whatever it is, you know, someone is interrupting, someone's doing this, someone's doing that. Every time Kate and Anthony are about to, like, kiss each other on, like, it was the, yeah, it was the hunt where Benedict interrupts them when they're about to, like, make out or whatever, uh, which is fine. I don't need them to make out or anything, but it's just, like, they keep getting, like, their mouths are a millimeter apart until somebody interrupts them, and that's more of my kind of problem. What I did like is the library scene where they're about to make out and Kate just, like, pieces out of there, like, no, this is inappropriate. That is drama for drama. Like, that is good. That is just well-written. I like that. What I don't like is Benedict kind of interrupting them, like, ah, there you are. Later, it's Daphne that kind of walks in, and then we get the, at the end, um, uh, it's Anthony who interrupts Kate with the proposal, and it's like, can we just stop 
interrupting each other at the last second to create drama. That is not good writing. It just annoys me. So I just wanted to call it out here. Uh, it's not a massive problem. Obviously, this episode's still getting an 8.1. Um, but this is a podcast where we're analyzing the show. And I wanted to analyze that I did not like the constant interruptions. We start this episode at Aubrey Hall for the annual Hearts and Flowers Ball. Uh, we, we get told it's the most coveted country invitation of the season, which leads me to ask so many questions. I was under the assumption that they spent most of their time during the season in London and lived in the country the rest of the year. How many country invitations do you get in a season? Because it seems like each of them takes a week. Like, you gotta take your carriage, you gotta get to the country estate, you gotta stay there for a couple of days, you gotta have a ball. Like, if we're getting too many of these country invitations, how much time are we spending at the balls that we're used to in London? I just don't really understand how all of this kind of flows together. But anyways, doesn't matter. We're here at Aubrey Hall, and it's beautiful, it's lovely, it's gorgeous. Uh, Daphne and Mama Bridgerton are competent hostesses this scene is fun because you can see that Mama Bridgerton does this all the time and she's like an expert, but you can see that Daphne, she she even says the line like, I taught you well. Daphne is kind of growing into her own hostess as well, understands like, hey, these flowers are symbolic of first love, you need to make the bouquets a little bigger, which is always just the play, I think, like, hey, like whenever in doubt, if you want to look smart at planning a, a uh, hearts and flowers ball, just like tell people to make the bouquets bigger or bouquets, whatever, however you say it. Uh, just tell them to make it bigger. That's just good advice. Uh, if you were out there and you're like, oh man, I really want to plan this kind of ball at my country manor. You know, what should I, what should I do? I just make the bouquets bigger is a good place to start. Benedict is out here painting an apple, which Anthony eats. <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, Kate and Anthony, we get a little cut between them where they're both kind of just looking into the abyss. You know, their thoughts are elsewhere. I wonder what they could be thinking about. There's no way it could be each other. Edwina is in the room with Kate and inquires about the bee sting. You know, ever since the awful creature pricked you, you've seemed to be thinking about... Uh, something else. Oh, well, it's kind of like when her and Anthony had the moment with the bosom touching and the uh, I am unharmed and all of that romantic stuff. So Edwina is just blissfully unaware of everything. And then Ed <laughs> Edwina doubles down here in a way that's so ridiculous. Edwina's like, yo, I found out the problem. I've Sherlocked Holmes this shit. I, I know what's going on here, Kate. The problem is the reason why he didn't propose to me is because he hates you. So you need to go on like 150 dates with him to make him, and I quote, love you. It's like, oh, Edwina, that's not the worst plan. But in the words of Daphne Bridgerton, it certainly is unusual. And I don't think this is going to work the way you want it to. But what I do like about this scene is as misguided as Edwina's plan will, I'm assuming, ultimately prove to be. Uh, it is nice that she's taking her own agency. She's looking at the situation on her own. Like, she's figured this out for herself. She's she's made a plan for herself. She's telling Kate what to do. I like that kind of flip of the characters where Edwina's more in control of her destiny here, even if it ends up being a fruitless expedition on the whole. Although, she did get the proposal at the end of this episode. So maybe Edwina's right. Maybe she's onto something here. I just don't see a world in which they end up together by the end of the season. Uh, but yeah, no, I really like that Edwina was taking a little bit control uh, of control here, even if you're cringing at the screen the whole time, knowing that it's 
it's a little bit misguided there. Uh, and Kate also was like, yeah, yeah, I hate him. Yep, no, definitely hate him. So that, that was a fun scene. I, I like that. It was also good to see Edwina want this relationship too. What what this world is like completely weird because we have to pretend like it's not batshit crazy and you know a little bit disturbing to watch the show. Like we have to pretend like oh it's not super creepy and weird that a bunch of really young women are like sold. What is what does Kate say? Pretty much like sold to the 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 highest bidder or whatever. Like all. The, the romances we're watching are lovely, right? Like, we want Kate to get with uh, Anthony. We like the Simon and Daphne storyline. You know what I mean? But for a lot of these women, like, even Eloise in this episode, they're just getting, like, paired up with Lord Morrison, and that's that's just that. You don't get a lot of say. There's the two women later that are like, I never say no to my mama. I'll marry anybody. I'll just read Lady Whistledown. And so the, the treatment of women in this universe is very poor, and it was nice to see Edwina say out loud, I want this, I want him, I want this life, I want this marriage. Like, Kate, shut the fuck up. This is what I'm going for. And what I liked about that is it at least creates a permission structure for us, the audience, to be like, okay, so this is, this is, this is above board. But, like... She wants this. She'll be happy with this. We've already got Anthony saying he's looking for a pleasant marriage. He's going to treat his wife well. It gives us that permission structure where we know, based on what Anthony said in episode three, that even if he doesn't love Edwina, he's going to treat her kindly and with respect. And it might not be a super love marriage, but it'll at least be, um, you know, it'll, it'll at least be there'll be contentment. There won't be any animosity or anger or mistreatment or anything. And from Edwina's point of view, she's into it. She she wants she wants this marriage. She's She's going to fight for it. She's going to do her thing. And this is the thing she wants. And I think that was important to give Edwina that agency, but also to allow us, the audience, to really fall into that relationship. Because again, I would root for this if Kate didn't exist. I would be rooting for this relationship. So I appreciated that this scene was, was doing that for me when I was watching it. We get an awesome scene here of seeing how Lady Whistledown kind of conceals her her, or I guess how Penelope kind of conceals her paperwork in the hems of dresses that uh, the modiste then sends to wherever these things are getting printed, the place Eloise visited, I think. And uh, it's just really cool to see how that's going. It's just a small little scene here. It's it's cool to see the evolution of how Whistledown is doing what she's doing. Over at Aubrey Hall, though, there's a lot of bouncing around this episode. The pacing was just a little bit weird. There... <laughs> There's Regency-era traffic, folks. If you thought traffic was a 21st century problem, boy, oh boy, were you wrong. There is a single lane that leads up to Aubrey Hall, and someone's lost an axle, and everyone's waiting in traffic, and it's just so funny. And even the little character acting between the Featheringtons in this scene is awesome. Lord, or Cousin Jack is, like, waving at the Cowper thing. Mama Featherington is, like, stealing the fan away from Prudence so that she could use it. There's just so many little fun things here uh once they once they get past the traffic to aubrey hall though uh, they're kind of talking daphne and mama bridgerton kind of talking about edwina and mama bridgerton says uh, i fear i do not know or one of them says i fear anthony does not know um edwina and then i think it's daphne says i fear like i don't know her either i shall get to know him uh, I shall get to know her and, and see what's up. So Daphne is on the case. She's going to learn a little bit more about Edwina uh, because, you know, Anthony's not going to do it. There's some cute Penelope and Eloise stuff here, too. They're chatting. They're chatting about Lady Whistledown. Things are fun. They're walking around. They're having a good time. This must be nice for Penn and Eloise to spend some time in the country together, kind of away, I guess, from all the, the direct London gossip. Colin then interrupts them to... 
<laughs> to say that he's going to visit Marina, and I put in my notes, no, Colin, why, in all capital letters, please don't go visit Marina. Spoiler alert, he does go visit Marina, but it's just like, oh, do we, do we really need this? Is this what we need in this episode? Oh, Colin, oh, Colin, what, what have you done? What are you doing to us? Edwina and Anthony are chatting up a storm. Things are going well. Just looking at the body language, they're vibing. They're having a good time. They're laughing with each other. And then Edwina calls Kate over to sit down, and Kate kind of awkwardly comes over. Anthony stands. <laughs> okay, like, Anthony, we gotta not give away the game. Maybe it's respectful. Maybe it's proper decorum. Can we stay seated? Like, just sit down. Kate's gonna sit down. You make it a little obvious when you, like, stand up to, like, almost salute her before. It's, come on, Anthony. Like, we need to work on disguising this a little better here. Um, Edwina asks Kate to mention her bee sting. And, of course, we as the audience know about the whole bee sting thing. And they have to, like, run and cool off after. But Edwina does not. Kate hilariously goes, like, oh, I got stung. And then, um, oh, what does Anthony say? Anthony just has this face. He goes, ah. And it's so good. The I don't know how many takes they would have done of that. I'm assuming a lot to get it absolutely perfect. But the way they both interact, it was laugh out loud funny. I really enjoyed their little bit of facial acting there. It was so good. Edwina wants Anthony to take Kate, you know, a tour of the gorgeous grounds. Like, Kate's been so alone over the last couple days, Anthony. Why don't you help her out? We then get to the idea of her going on a hunt, and Edwina is trying to convince Anthony that Kate is good at hunting. Kate starts this conversation by trying to downplay it, which I find really interesting, this little bit of psychological whatever's going on here. Kate doesn't want to go on this hunt with Anthony, so she's like, ah, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. But once Anthony starts to question question whether she could be actually good at hunting it's like a slight too many it's a slight that she can't ignore ignore and she just immediately goes like and what makes you think i can't hunt and i'm like oh here we go fight 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 like come on like just more sexy fighting with each other like come on and anthony all but says because you're a woman and kate picks up on this right away and goes is it because i'm a woman anthony Anthony hilariously goes, I I did not say that. It's like, yeah, but you thought it. We know you thought it. You were thinking it. Benedict is like laughing in the back. I'm like, bruh, you were fucking thinking it, my guy. And so Kate is kind of offended by that, rightly so. And there is two parts of this too for Anthony. One of them is his kind of like women don't hunt part, which is the bad part. But keeping in like the world of women not hunting, it would genuinely be surprising to find out that a woman could hunt. Right, even if like, even if you allowed women on all your hunts, like the the percentage of women that can hunt uh, in this world is low because they're not allowed to. Kate's points are all fair. Uh, however, is it just like a random anecdotal piece of information? If someone just heard, oh, Kate's a really good hunter, you'd be like, wait a second, how does that work? Even if you agree with it, so there is part of this where Anthony's probably actually just surprised a little bit. But I'm not going to give him any credit. He's just being a tool. Uh, Benedict is like brother, brother. What's up, dude? I've been having some more of that high tea stuff. Uh, we're on our own private lands. You, she, she's probably better at it than you. She can teach you a thing or two. Let's bring her along. We can make an exception. And you know, Anthony. Uh, Eventually goes, that's fine, Edwina, Edwina's got a chaperone situation sorted, which turns out to be one of the funniest parts of Bridgerton, is this maid that they send along, so uh, all's to say, Kate ends up going on a hunt with the lads, and definitely is going to be better, you leave the scene knowing for sure she's going to be better at it than Anthony, especially because we got the scene, the flashback of him not being able to shoot a, a buck over in season 3.
And a really weird bit of pacing. We get like a 30 second scene where Colin arrives at Marina's. He looks fucking great in that bowler hat, by the way. I just wanted to call that out. Marina seems like she's having a good time. She lives in a nice house with a good lord. Seems to treat her well. Kids are all good. She had twins. Huzzah. Things are going well. And I'm happy things are going well for Marina. The last thing I wanted in this episode was to like find Marina and she's having all these problems and then Colin's got to fucking save her. And oh, I didn't want any of that. And so I'm glad that Marina... I'm glad that Marina is not only content, uh, but is able to use that contentment to kind of teach Colin a lesson later. So Marina's doing great. And then we just jump right back to the hall where the ladies are playing cards. So we got the the lady card shaded area over there. Uh, Edwina is over there playing with Daphne, uh, Mama Bridgerton, and Lady Danbury. And they talk a little bit about what, what do you want in a marriage? What are you looking for? What are some of the things you want? Edwina wants someone kind and gentle, which is just so sweet. Don't we all, don't we all want someone kind and gentle in our lives as our significant others? That sounds lovely to me. Uh, she also said she wants someone even-tempered. At that point, Daph's like, fuck off. Anthony is not even-tempered. And Huina's like, well, maybe not to you, silly, silly woman, but I bring out the best to him. It's like, oh, Edwina. To be fair, she does not actually say that to Daphne. I'm just making that up. I'm giving, I'm not, I'm not giving Edwina enough credit here. She's really lovely in this scene. I'm trying a bit too hard to make this podcast funny, but she did not call Daphne a silly woman. But, you know, she's like, oh, Oh, Daphne, I bring out the best in him. He, his temper is always so even around me. It's like, yeah, you've had two, you've had one date where you were kind of chaperoned on the couch. And then the other time is like you were playing Paul Mall, but you left early. And, and at the beginning, he looked like he wanted to kill Colin with the fucking mallet. So like, okay, Edwina, I don't know if I'm going to give you that one, but fair enough. She then explains to Daphne that part of her grand plan is like, hey, the only reason Anthony hasn't proposed to me is that Kate hates him. Hates him, I say. And so I must have them spend so much time together so that they will love each other instead. And then he'll propose to me, uh, which Daphne immediately realizes is a bad idea. Edwina, Edwina goes to get all the credit, like, brilliant plan, is it not? And Daphne's like, yeah. Yeah, sure, but it's also a very interesting one. I'm not sure how that's going to go. Again, Daphne just super competent here. No, sees right through how bad of an idea this is, um, but doesn't really have the heart to say anything to Edwina, which I, I think is great. It's not really her job. Also, the other thing to be said is this plan would be a good plan if Kate and Anthony were acting in good faith. Right? Like, they both have fallen in love with each other already in, like, a weird you-vex-me kind of way. And they're just not admitting it to each other. So they're not being honest with anyone. Not even themselves, I don't think. And so they're not really acting in good faith here. If this... If they genuinely just didn't like each other, and that was genuinely true, and Edwina was taking... If what Edwina was taking at face value was true, this would, I think, be a good plan. Right? It's more that Edwina's just not aware of their true feelings for each other, which makes this a bad plan, but there's no way Edwina can know that. So I wanna give Edwina a little more credit here. This is actually a fine plan uh, with all of the considerations she knows about. She just doesn't have all the information. Something, something, if you set some, if you set people up to fail, something, something, they will, something, something, up in season one. It's the same principle, right? Like Edwina does not have all the information. She's not been set up properly to make this kind of decision from her sister or Anthony and so it ends up not being a great one I don't think but hey it works out in this episode for sure she she does get the proposal so maybe maybe it is a good plan after all over on the hunt the ma the maid I'm just gonna say it one time the maid is 
amazing. The maid is so good, so funny. To be able to act not riding a horse in a fun way, like th there's part of it where you have to know enough about horse riding to do that well enough to then kind of act backwards to pretend like you're so uncomfortable with it is just really good acting. Everything about the maid is hilarious. She's also clearly not going to act as a good chaperone. Kate clearly knows a lot about hunting. All of the men are dumb as bricks and they're just like walking around like, la la la, where are all the deer? Shoot, 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 shoot. And they have no plan, no nothing. They're just, they're just using this. They're, they're getting away from the women. They're hanging out in the forest. They're like, got their guns. They're all being manly. And that's what's happening there. It doesn't seem like they're actually trying very hard to shoot anything. Kate is taking this super seriously. It's like, hey, if you look there, I'm looking at footprints, dude. I'm looking at tracks of an animal that I want to shoot. So can we go follow those in Anthony? Anthony here knows that Kate is right. You can see it in his face that he knows that Kate is correct. He knows that if he listens to her, they will find more stuff. But he also doesn't want to admit that Kate is correct. But also, like, there's these weird scenes with, like, Lord Featherington, too, where everyone else on this hunt is, like, kind of looking at them like, oh, we brought a woman. And I, I, I suspect he doesn't want, like, the social shame of of like hey hey lads i know we have this guide but kate's way better at this like i there's a lot of things going on here but anthony just go like, okay let's go back with the group let's stick with the group kate there's also some really cute banter here between them they're trying to start a conversation it's getting cut off it's really cute it's really uh it's just cute a lot of this show is like very sexy you know what I mean? Or like very romantic. This is just genuinely cute, which I enjoyed. They're making jokes about the maid. They're making kind of jokes about the the horses. They get a little bit of a download on how Kate learned to hunt. Her, her father was a secretary for a royal family or something in India. And she got to go hunting with them. That's super cool. A little bit of world building. A little bit of backstory. Love that. She says Lord Bridgerton. And he just responds with yes so quickly that you know he wants nothing more than to talk to her. And this whole scene... It's just a moment for their relationship to breathe where there's so much genuine affection there when they let it happen. Like, same with the mud situation. When they just, like, bring the guard down a little bit and enjoy each other's company, they really do. Like, in this moment, it's really cute. It's really fun. There's a very playful energy to them, which we don't get a lot from Kate and Anthony. We get, like, the opposite of playful. We, we get the... We get the, like... <laughs> I don't know what... I don't know what the word is, but it's not playful. Anyways, uh, this is really nice, and I enjoyed this little scene with them. Back with Marina, Colin's like, blah, 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 grease this, grease that. I went to the Pantai Golf or whatever. Like, come on, Colin. And no one cares about your Greek adventures. Uh, she says, like, not sarcastically, but like, I really enjoy your remarks, Colin, in a way that's meant to suggest, like, Colin, shut the fuck up about your, Gre your, Gre your Grecian adventures. Uh, Sir Philip comes back, though. And after, it's after Colin kind of asks about Sir Philip, and now you're getting to like, ah, that's why he's here. He kind of wants to know, what's up with Sir Philip? How you doing, Marina? You happy in this marriage? That's, that's the idea here. And uh, Philip has also been to Greece and wants to talk about it, so at least Colin's going to get to talk to, to Philip about this Greece stuff. Marina does not seem overly happy, though, that Colin's been given an invite to dinner. She, she, I think she thought that if she listened to the Greek stories, he would just kind of leave, and that she's not getting what she wants here i don't think back on the hunt i'm realizing that i've got my notes mixed up and i've taken some of the notes from this one and applied it to the other hunting scene so i apologize but we're all on the hunt it's all the hunt uh, anthony offers kate his hand 
to walk over a log and then uh, kate decides not to do that and she shows like a hell of a lot of like inner thigh as she kind of steps over this log and that sends anthony's brain into an absolute fucking chernobyl style meltdown you just see it in his face where he's like that was the sexiest thing i've ever seen in my life like it was it's just so funny to me and it was again the show is a very kind of sexy horny show that like these sh these little scenes are meant to make you feel that way and it was pretty hot but anthony's brain just is a, a full-on nuclear meltdown which is hilarious and then we get more uh scenes as well or more little tidbits about kate being correct like we gotta go here we gotta hunt here we gotta shoot this way and that way you know you're an idiot this all sucks why are we following the guide and anthony anthony just knows she's right and won't won't listen to her and that's really frustrating and i talked about some of the reasons why he might not be doing that lord featherington is there though just as another character we know i guess and he has this face like oh this is why the ladies don't hunt. You bring the ladies on a hunt, gentlemen, and they just want to go this way and that way, and they actually want to shoot things. Like, we we prefer paying our incompetent guides lots of money to take us to shoot absolutely nothing. Like, silly women, which, you know what? Fuck you, Lord Featherington. He didn't actually say any of this, but he had the face. I read the face. I knew exactly what he was thinking. I, I would rather follow Kate on a hunt. I'm not going to lie. After watching this performance, I think only women should be allowed to hunt. I think the men are doing all of them an awful job. Uh, and not only that, uh, if I were to go hunting, I'd rather go with Kate so she could actually, like, get... We could go and shoot something together, you know? At Aubrey Hall, we get this really fun scene with Eloise, Penelope, and some of the other kind of... Uh, girls their age, the, their peers in this kind of marriage market, and, and Eloise is like, do you guys not just say no to your mamas when they want you to hook up with these, or I guess, you know, dance with these gentlemen or whatever, and they're like, I would never say no to my mama, she does everything for me, I listen to everything she says, I find all my independence in Lady Whistledown, and Penelope's like, fuck yeah you do, shut up Eloise, it's not that simple. You can't just have all these people asking questions. They're not going to read my pamphlet if they ask questions, you idiot. And so Pe Penelope's all loving that they like Lady Whistledown. And they have a quick conversation like, how is Lady Whistledown going to write anything about this event? We're out here in the country. Everyone will know everything that happens. And you get this like, you get this sense from Penelope. She's like, ah, oh, watch me. Watch me. I'll figure it out. I know what I'm doing. And I believe that, but this is just a fun little bit of world building. Seeing seeing new characters, seeing fresh faces, putting Eloise and Penelope in, in a little bit of a different situation was really fun. Over with Prudence and Lady Featherington, we get the entrapment plan. Uh, plan entrap Lord Featherington in the orangery is a go. Uh, we're talking over there with them. They're doing a little bit of bowling, and there's a random dunk on Cornwall that I wrote down. There's something, I think it's Prudence says something about Cornwall. So if you're listening to this podcast from Cornwall, uh, your place is shit, and uh, I didn't say that. Prudence said that, so I, I'm just going to have to take it for face value. I'm not going to do any research. Cornwall fucking sucks. Unless you live there, please leave this five-star review on this podcast. I appreciate you and Cornwall very much. Um, Lady Featherington kind of just rather, rather just in the least a bit of self-awareness is we can't, we can't afford any more scrutiny. It's like, Lady Featherington, the scrutiny was your fault, my my guy. Like you are not good at avoiding scrutiny, but also your husband was like a degenerate gambler. Like what? Like I know you can't afford any more scrutiny, but it's not like this scrutiny has been completely unwarranted. 
right? Like, come on. Come on now. You're going to entrap a dude, which is not uncommon. We've talked about it in this episode. Or they talk about it in this episode. It's not uncommon. But just knowing how it plays out, it's like, no wonder you have all this scrutiny. You're just the most incompetent schemers in in the entire fucking ton. I also did some research into the ranks of nobility just in between episodes here. I know I get a lot of comments, a lot of emails, and a lot of, not a lot of podcast reviews, but there's a couple on iTunes that are like, man, I really like this podcast, but this fucking guy, he wonders a lot of things out loud that he could just Google. Where is the fun in that, listener? If I just Googled everything, like, what is the, it's more fun if I don't know what I'm talking about. So just, you don't have to write it in a review. I get it. You, you want me to Google things. So in this case, I have I've Googled the ranks of nobility. The Featheringtons, the, the original Lord Featherington was a baron. And so a baron is less than a Viscount. These are all titles of nobility. These are all really rich people with lands and whatever. Um, but a Viscount where Anthony is, is above a a baron where the Featheringtons are. So they have a little bit of higher status just for being a Viscount. Um, then we have a Marquis, a Marquis. I think it's called a Marquis, not a Mar. It's spelled with a Q though. We have a Marquis, which is above a Viscount, but below a Duke. And then we have a Duke, which is uh, the top of it all, above a Marquis. And so it goes Baron, Viscount, um, Marquis, Duke, which makes it interesting because I would have assumed based on kind of Anthony's stature in the season that being a Viscount would have been slightly higher rank, maybe just under a Duke. I wasn't really sure, but I have Googled that now. Um, so we also know the Featheringtons aren't the wealthiest of the wealthy, not not just because of their kind of stupidity and all of this, but just because they have the lowest rank of all of the noble kind of ranks. And I don't know how this works with all the lords, because not everyone here is a duke or a baron or a marquis or a viscount. A lot of them are like in the House of Lords, which is an appointed position at this time, I believe. And I'm not sure what that does for you and your estate and your money and everything. Um, but I just wanted to point out that the Featheringtons also just aren't the, the peak of nobility either in terms of their rank even if they were super competent at managing it all. Prudence makes an offhand comment about Marina or whatever and says, like, is entrapping a man really so uncommon? And <laughs> then really, really just peak kind of 1800s, like a good idea went off in your head. I think like a light bulb type thing. Lady Featherington has this face like, what a good idea. Let's entrap Lord Featherington. You can see the gears starting to turn. And then Prudence bowls a strike, which surely means this idea is a great one. But also at the end, she says, like, every, like she wants people to look at her. She, she wants everyone else around to, like, you know, like, bow at her or whatever, or, like, cheer for her or whatever it is she wants. Because she bowled a strike in this weird lawn bowling game. It's like, Prudence, come on. Everyone else is busy. No one's watching you bowl. Like, can we... Can we come down to Earth just a little bit? Back at the hunt, Anthony is out here saying the wildest shit. This was the second part in the episode. At the top of the episode, I said, oh, there was kind of two parts where Anthony really rubbed me the wrong way. And this is the second part here. He starts by saying, like, you shouldn't be wandering around the forest by yourself with your gun. Kind of insinuating that she's an idiot and is just going to start, like, shooting random things or she's going to end up hurting herself or whatever. Like, mate, she's super good at this. Like, calm down. Right? Don't just assume she's an idiot. Whatever. And also, what are you guys doing? You all are just wandering around with your guns. I'm sure you guys don't know how to use them properly either so like calm down and also that's not to say kate doesn't know how to use it properly she probably knows better than all of these other stupid idiots so that was that was not very nice from anthony and then he says are the rules meaningless to you uh after kate says you and your stupid rules or before that anyways and i was like yeah of course the rules are man the rules fucking suck for women anthony like you and your like i don't 
Anthony, I know you didn't make the rules. I know that. It's not your fault the rules exist the way they are. But also, just take 10 seconds, think, if I were a woman, would these rules be helpful to me or hurtful to me? And the result is, like, certainly hurtful. And so, of course, Kate doesn't want to follow your dumb fucking rules, you stupid, stupid boy. Ugh, this made me so, like... Anthony was on such a like he was coming up he was creeping up and then he just has this like one Anthony moment where I'm like oh you are still Anthony stop it Ugh. never fear though because Kate is out here just like tearing him to shreds like uh, you and your stupid rules which was an awesome line she says I don't wish to hear what you think you know about me which is oh just absolutely perfect go Kate they they start arguing and I put in they start arguing with the bee sting and the bee sting argument is is genuinely juvenile in nature they they talk about putting the hand to the bosom to show she was unharmed which Anthony pretends to be offended by like shut up Anthony like don't you had to go and run and like cool off after like you were you were you were into that calm down but also he he starts saying, and then you looked at me a certain way, and not the way you looked at me, and they're arguing like six-year-olds. And I put, can I file this beasting argument under attractive people arguing attractively? Like, that's all. Like, as they were arguing about this beasting, I have no opinions on what they were saying. I was like, oh, our two very attractive protagonists are arguing attractively. That's all I wanted to say about it. That's all that's happening here. After this argument, though, we all know after a good argument, it's time to be a little more sensual. Kate hears a, a, a deer or something in the woods and goes to shoot the, or at least place the gun on a log to go and shoot it. And of course, she's doing it the wrong way or whatever. And Anthony goes to like help her with the super cliche kind of, I have to help the woman swing the golf club or swing the baseball bat or whatever it is, whatever. It's, they have one for every sport like this. And I see no discernible difference on how this gun is being held. Like I think the, the butt is or the stock or whatever is going a little bit more into the shoulder, but mostly I was like, okay, I think, I think Kate would have been just fine without your help. This is just a really good excuse to get a little touchy feely and to have another another like attractive people touching each other attractively kind of moment that sounds way worse than it is but y'all watched the episode you know what i mean and so they're like breathing on each other and like there's mouths that are really close to necks and everything and it's getting hot and heavy in here and then benedict oh benedict comes in at the wrong time we had anthony like about to i gotta say about to start kissing kate is i think what was about to happen and kate seemed kind of she was super into that too and they were like they were having like feelings and everything and now they're gonna need to go cool off again and benedict just comes in at the wrong time to be like ah there you are it's like benedict no why why right now can you wait five minutes we as the audience want to see where this is gonna go can we stop this benedict now that our protagonists are off cooling off somewhere and we've been mad at benedict for five seconds about his his poorly timed interruption we are back at the crane household where there are conversations uh, mr crane says and i quote i'm often carried away by my interests and then i have this like this sudden bit of shame it's like ah me too my guy me too i may or may not be podcasting about bridgerton right now so <laughs> I had this moment of like, I relate. Sometimes my interest, namely talking into a microphone at people who may or may not want to listen to me and watching television shows, they have carried me away into whatever we're doing right now. 
which was funny. He goes off to, you know, get the twins to bed or whatever. So Marina and Colin can have a really kind of kind of nice goodbye scene in the sense that as a little bit of character development for Colin. And also, I'm just in for all of these scenes of the women in the Bridgerton universe laying the smackdown on the stupid boys. Marina is like Colin. I know I like whatever you came here for, whether it was me, whether it was to check in on me, whether it was to try and sweep me away, whether you were guilty, whether whatever. I don't want your apology. I don't want your forgiveness. I'm content. I'm happy enough. Your future will not be in the past with me. You need to get out of here. And this is a good lesson. Colin needs to hear this. Someone needs to tell Colin this. I'm glad it was Marina. Marina is the perfect person in Colin's life to be like, hey, wake up, snap, snap, motherfucker. Like, you gotta get on there's other people in your life your family loves you penelope's kind of into you there's other people you got to pay attention to them and they will make you happy you don't need me here i'm happy i'm not doing this with you so like get out of my house and i felt really good i i enjoyed it from a marina laying the smackdown on colin point of view i also enjoyed it as a character growth moment for colin so that he can do whatever it is he's gonna do now with with the the lay down that's just been smacked upon him by marina Kate arrives back from the hunt and goes to do her cooling off again. Instead of by the marble pillar, this time it's in her bedroom, but Edwina's there. And Edwina can't even give her a minute. Like, with not even a minute to cool off. Like, things are hot and heavy, and they need to be a little cooler, a little lighter, before Kate can articulate what's going on. But Edwina is right there, ready. They're like, Kate, how was the hunt? And she goes off about the, yeah, the dumb boys didn't shoot anything, yada yada. And Edwina does not want, she doesn't care about the hunt. Like, shut up, Kate, I don't care about the hunt. How did they go with the Viking? does he love you now and oh boy oh boy oh boy she says and i quote it went well i think and i i was like yep that's one way to put it depends on your definition of well but i don't know if it went well from edwina's edwina's point of view uh she says that they warmed up to each other i was like yep definitely true i'm sure i'm sure the proximity of anthony's mouth to your neck was was quite warm there uh, Kate and then Edwina says well keep on doing whatever you're doing baby it's working he's fallen he's gonna propose there's a ball tomorrow evening Kate I expect you to be on full hunt mode for the ball tomorrow and Kate has this look like yep no problem I can do that like she has this moment where she's looking like do I tell her do I tell her do I tell her nah I'm not gonna tell her I'm just gonna keep having these I'll I'll keep repressing these feelings I'll go to the ball tomorrow which probably isn't the best way to go about this but I, I did enjoy Kate not even having a, a second to decompress here before Edwina's like on her case about Anthony after what seemed to be a lovely pleasant day outside there's a fucking huge storm in the evening which I I put in my notes how funny that is that like as soon as they need our two kind of protagonist to romantically meet in the library there's like a giant storm and then i remembered like i don't know like i've been to england and there i had a lot of rainy sunny days but i live in vancouver right now and in vancouver canada that's actually just what it's like you will go from like a, a nice lovely uh 30 degree that's celsius by the way so if you're one of those fahrenheit people you're gonna have to translate sorry americans who listen to this um like a really nice 30 degree day it's hot it's steamy right like it is it is like humid outside and you are having a good time out in the yard like the ball and then in the evening it's like yep 10 degrees massive thunderstorm and that's just how it goes in vancouver so i, I thought this was funny and then i realized that's kind of how weather patterns actually work in a lot of places but oh boy i wrote in my notes and i try it's bridgerton this is a bridgerton podcast but i try not to be too lewd because no one wants to open up a podcast and listen to some random 
uh, 26-year-old dude be lewd about Bridgerton. However, I put in my notes, are they going to fuck in the library? Not as a desire, like, that would have been fun to see or whatever, but just I remember the montage of season one where, like, they were doing things on a ladder in a library. I was like, wait a second. Are they going to, like, do it in the library right now? Just as, like, a question. I was like, is this the setup? Is this where we're going? This is not what happens. I actually like what happens a little bit more. Anthony's up because <laughs> Anthony's up because he thought he left a candle on or whatever, which sounded like a dumb excuse until I realized that that's probably how a lot of houses burn down in this time. So maybe it's good that someone's going around and checking to make sure there are no loose candles still aflame in the evening. Kate says it was the storm keeping her up, which yeah, okay, what whatever. I mean, I guess sure, sure. The storm's keeping uh, Kate up. That's fine. They talk about this book, and uh, Kate had pulled this book down. Anthony says that this is his father's library and that these are some of his most prized possessions. Um, it's really nice and sweet. It's also kind of funny because we just know Anthony would not be adding any books to this library. That doesn't seem like Anthony's way of doing things. And so they pass the book back and forth. And Kate starts asking about his dad, which is, I like these scenes with these two where the walls come down. There was the mud scene, um, the, the horse riding scene at the hunt when they were just talking about the maid and everything. The walls are starting to come down a little bit. When they don't have to pretend to hate each other, they can be quite cute. And this scene is one of them. Uh, she asks how he died, and he says a bee sting. And just the way he says it, he knows that what he's saying is kind of embarrassing considering how he reacted to her being stung but for her kate just is so graceful about the whole thing and just says like like she has this moment in her face it's great kind of facial acting from simone ashley where she realizes like oh that's why you reacted the way you did i get it now i understand that i am so sorry i did not mean to i did not mean to overreact to that and i gave kate credit at the time for not making fun of him or anything at the time she genuinely was like why is he freaking out what's going on here hand to bosom i'm unharmed and that's like how she reacted in the moment was good but this is even better to, to have that realization like oh this makes sense but also not to be like funny about it but like oh this man has feelings like this is a man like he he puts up this facade of like this grumpy kind of gruff i don't want love or whatever he's just a man with emotions like the rest of us and and the beasting was probably embarrassing for him in the, in the moment there and anthony has this awesome moment where he says to see such a great man felled by such a small creature was very humbling and it's humbling to say the least and that was just a really good line too where he's kind of getting across like yeah man that was wild that sucked i, I really wish i didn't have to see that um but that is kind of why i reacted the way i did to your to your beasting and then they have another moment here where they're about to kiss or fuck. I don't know what they were about to do, but I was ready for it to happen. Uh, this should, the, the whole, I, I'm loving the slow burn and the sexual tension, but boy, if it isn't annoying. And then the storm interrupts them. It's like, come on, are you like Hurricane Benedict here? Like, can we, can we stop interrupting these two right before they're about to like do the thing? What I will say though, is I liked in this moment, the storm kind of snaps Kate out of it, but I liked that it was Kate's choice to kind of leave the room. Not because I have a preference or anything, but just because it's better writing than just having like a character interrupt them. To have one of the characters decide to leave, there's a little more to that. It adds a little bit more to the character. It adds a little bit more kind of agency into the story. And the story already has a lot of like random kind of coincidences happening. So at least I like that this interruption, well, kind of assisted by the storm, was at least Kate just deciding to leave. Daphne and Mama Bridgerton are continuing to set up the ball. Earlier in the episode, we got the whole scene like, Lord Dingleberry needs these pillows and Lord whatever 
stupid head <laughs> needs his meat cooked this way, but his wife likes the meat cooked the other way, and they're just yelling this at a person who's not writing any of this down. So it's a it's a shock that this goes as well as it is. They must hire servants with with great memories, but they're they're setting some stuff up here, and they're talking about Anthony's partner, and they say, I, I always thought Anthony would be you know, with someone a little more like him. Don't all Bridgertons need a challenge? Which I really like that Daphne is like, don't we all need, you know, to be challenged? Knowing that Kate is the person that would, would challenge Anthony. And Mama Bridgerton's like, yeah, I expected someone sharp, quick, a little too exacting. And I was like, what a good, a little too exacting. What a fun description of a person. I also like that Daphne and Mama Bridgerton are on decent terms here. I don't know. I might still be a little bit jaded uh, after my mama told me like, what? I can't remember what she said about sex, but it was like right before the night of, of uh, Daphne's first experience. She was like, yeah, it's like the, like the outside when the grass is wet or whatever. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like just tell your daughter what is happening. And of course it was that kind of failure, at least that partially led to the whole stuff in episode six. So I'm, I'm happy that Daphne and Mama Bridgerton are kind of over that whole experience and they're on good terms doing this thing. Daphne decides like, all right, it's time to lay down the law. I'm going to go visit Anthony. She's talking a little bit about Edwina kind of really like sarcastic. How was the hunt with the elder Sharma sister, Anthony? And to Anthony's credit, he kind of, he knows what this is about. He knows what's going on. And instead of playing the game, he says, I certainly miss his grace. Without him, you've become a little too meddlesome and then leaves the room. And I put in my notes, like, good try, Daph. Good try. You came, you, you did your best. It was a good effort. Anthony was expecting it, I think, and had a really good retort. And also, I like that they're just acknowledging that, like, Anthony misses the Duke, too. As the audience, maybe we're missing the Duke. Anthony misses him, too. It's a little bit weird that he's not around, but at least within the show, they're acknowledging it. And that was really funny. It is time for the ball to start, and the first thing I wrote is they're wearing the sexy gloves. That scene from episode one where the Duke, like, took the glove off of Daphne's hand or whatever, and it was just, like, everyone who watched the show was like, oh, my God, that was the sexiest thing I've ever watched. I noted that they were wearing the sexy gloves again. We unfortunately don't get a repeat of that scene, uh, but at the time I wrote the note, I was hopeful. Uh, we we didn't get that. Uh, Anthony is going to dance with Edwina, kind of ignores Kate a little bit, walks up like, hey, Edwina, want to dance? And I put that I'm still kind of rooting for this. They're still cute together. I don't know, man. Like, it, there is definitely a world in which Edwina and Anthony would have been great, especially now that we've seen a relationship like Marina, where it's like, they're, it's not just, you know, my husband is evil, everything's awful, or, oh my God, the best love match ever. There's some room in the middle to have like a nice content amiable relationship and i think these would do uh, really good these two would do really well at that lady danbury is talking about the hunt with with kate and it's like uh, talking about how the i bet you the hunt went well wink 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 being like i get you kate i'm on to you i'm sure it did go really well with anthony bridgerton didn't it Penelope and Mama Bridgerton have cracked together. I don't know if they were in cahoots or not. It kind of feels like they were in cahoots. Uh, this crack team of geniuses is trying to set Eloise up on a dance. And we, we as the audience, know exactly how this is going to go before it gets there. But Lord Morrison has been invited to dance with Eloise because he shares her rebellious spirit. So there's a few things going on here. One, I really like this scene for Eloise. I... I do kind of wish we got a scene somewhere of just Eloise enjoying herself. Like, what? Like Paul Mall was great, where Eloise was just around, playing the game, everything was awesome. Like, can we get a scene of Eloise enjoying breakfast? Or, like, Eloise, like, just, like, going to the museum and enjoying some art or something? Like, do we need every scene to be Eloise, like, mad at the world and society? It just, I'm not... 
they, it's not rubbing off on me the wrong way. I'm with Eloise 100% here. But it's just like, I wish we got like one 30-second scene of just her happy enjoying something instead of just being kind of grumpy about society all the time. But she is, and she's dancing with Lord Morrison. I was surprised that Eloise knew all the steps kind of so fluently and even made a joke about it. Like, I'm trying to count my steps. Please do not talk to me, which was really funny. Penelope wants her to dance. Uh, Mama Bridgerton set this whole thing up. And within 30 seconds, this guy manages to ruin the entire thing, uh, manages to insult her entire sex in the process, according to Eloise's point of view. And as Eloise kind of runs up the stairs, Lord Morrison does like the grab back and, and he, he's, he's embarrassed. He's like, I was invited out here to dance with Eloise Bridgerton and this is embarrassing. And he's probably mad at Mama Bridgerton and stuff. So uh, he, he, I don't think, I, I think he was another person set up to fail in this situation for sure. But Eloise has a lovely moment with Mama Bridgerton where, not lovely, but it's like for her, it's a lovely moment. And she's like, hey, this is not a party trick I do. This is not something I'm doing to attract a certain kind of suitor. I'm legitimately not happy doing any of this. I'm not like Daphne. I'm sorry I disappoint you, but I'm just going to bed. And Mama Bridgerton has this face of like, ah, fuck. Right? But does Mama Bridgerton learn a lesson here? That's all I want to know. Because the whole time I've been like, what? Why do you keep putting Eloise in this situation? If you know things aren't going to go well in this situation. So I hope this is the last time Mama Bridgerton tries this hard with Eloise because I feel really bad for Eloise that she's made it really clear what she is and isn't and what she does and doesn't like and Mama Bridgerton just seems not to care and just keeps like pushing forward anyway so hopefully Mama Bridgerton learns a lesson here but it was nice to see this little bit of agency from Eloise being like hey mom fuck off this is not like a thing I'm trying to do to trick people or whatever this is actually just who I am so if you would let me go to bed that would be awesome which also isn't a good look for Mama Bridgerton if the hosts are going to bed early so this all around, big L for, for Violet. Over on the other side of the ballroom, we have our crack team of... <laughs> our crack team of scheming experts, the Featheringtons. I, I put in my notes in all cap, the trap is set to the orangery, which is, it's so funny that these people were rich enough to have an orangery. But she sends Prudence over there like, hey, Prudence, you go hang out in the orangery uh, just for no reason. Like, go hang out there. And Prudence is like, maybe I'll grab an orange. It's like, yep, that's exactly what you should do in the orangery, Prudence. That's awesome. Lady F goes over and and gets uh, Mr. Featherington over there too. Like, hey, I heard Lord Fife is gonna be over in the orangery. We'll pause there for a minute because this comes back later, but yeah, we're, the game is afoot as Watson would say to, to Sherlock Holmes. Or as Sherlock Holmes would say to Watson, as one of them would say to the other one of them, the game is afoot. Kate's out here on the dance floor just watching Anthony dance with Edwina. And I wonder, is she not allowed? Like, I know she's not here to find a husband or whatever. And I know she's probably looking at Anthony and, Ed and Edwina, partly so, like, Edwina can have a match and partly so, like, she feels things for Anthony and likes watching him dance or whatever. But is she not allowed to do anything? Like, can she not go, like, gossip at the punch bowl with the ladies? Can she not, like, join the mamas for cards or whatever they're doing? Can she not, like, find a dance for herself? Does... Does every dance need to be with potential suitors or whatever? So it's like, it's a little bit strange to me that Kate's just not participating in anything at all and is just spending her leisure time at the ball staring at Anthony and Edwina. But hey, whatever. Edwina, he has two dances with Anthony, is convinced 
That is the mark of love. That is the sign that we are about to be wed. Uh, he is going to propose because he would not have asked me for two dances. Famously, there's a rule in the Bridgerton universe. It's called the two dance rule. After two dances, you are like the trap in the orangery. You have to get married after two. It's like it's an expectation. Uh, you have a one dance limit per evening per person before uh, people expect you to be married. It's a really obscene law, but one day they'll repeal it or whatever. Uh, and Kate is like, oh, I gotta go dance with Anthony. Oh, no. And Edwina says it so he can ask Kate her permission. And I normally don't have too many of these moments in Bridgerton. Does this make any fucking sense to anybody? Not that I don't agree with where Edwina's coming from. I understand why Edwina would want Kate to give her permission to Anthony. However, there was a whole dinner last episode or two episodes ago, whichever episode it was, where everyone expected Anthony to propose and no one gave a fuck about what Kate had to say. Edwina was mad after the dinner that um, Anthony didn't propose and never once said, oh, wait, wait, pause. Did he ask the permission or whatever? This is the first time this has kind of come up that Kate is also playing the role of like, he needs to formally ask permission. So this didn't really make sense to me, but whatever. It's a good excuse for our two attractive people to dance attractively. And oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, they do. There's a lot of formality here. Anthony very, like, gentlemanly asks for her hand in a dance. I always like that you have to ask. You can't just, like, drag somebody onto the dance floor. There's a lot of kind of romance, or at least chivalry evolved in this whole process. And then... The kicker, the banger, the absolute one-two. Dancing on my own by Robin is the cover song here. And I put, holy fuck, this is so romantic. No, ah, in my notes. So if you're on the Patreon and you're taking a look at my show notes, I apologize for the all caps, but I lost it a little bit. It's no Taylor Swift cover from the first season or the Billie Eilish cover was probably better. But hey, this was, oh, I liked this one uh, is fun. And they're dancing, two attractive people dancing attractively. They're clearly into each other. Kate almost forgets to ask about the whole thing. Lady Danbury's right there, front row seats, 3D glasses on, popcorn in hand, staring at these two dancing each other. And she knows, she already knows, but she continues to know. And I'm surprised she doesn't do anything about this. Like, okay, they they need to be, we need to like, what we need to do is we need to get Kate and Anthony to both have like a hula hoop around them at all times, where like if the hula hoop touches the other hula hoop, they're too close to each other. They need to stay at least like two arms lengths apart at all time. I put, I'm really mad we didn't get another glove scene. This should be a crime. Daphne is all, which I do feel that way. Like this should be illegal for them to make this show and not give us another glove scene of some kind. Daphne is also watching. So we got more 3D goggles and front row seats and popcorn going on. And then, oh my God, now it's two attractive people talking attractively and they're just they're winning me over so much. Their chemistry just pops off the screen, man. This is like quite sexy to watch. And he says, and do you think I can make her happy? And is that what you want for me to reconsider? It does not matter what I want, replies Kate. Like, oh, because of course she wants him to reconsider. She wants a little bit of that Anthony. And she's not saying that, but she is saying that. It's the classic, I'm going to say the opposite of what I mean, but you'll catch on. And then she says she's leaving to India, and this sets Anthony's brain into another Chernobyl-level meltdown. Like, absolutely, like, everything was good up until this point, because he, he was going to Skylar Sisters the whole thing, where it was like, okay, I'm going to marry Eliza, but Angelica's going to be around. And then when Angelica leaves to in England and Hamilton, Hamilton's like, wait, 
what you found a husband what is this uh, it's crazy like you can't do that and that's what that's happening to anthony right here and he's so upset by this that he kind of leaves and storms off leaving edwina to be like kate what the fuck i sent you to dance with him you had a good hunt he danced with me twice all you got to do is not fuck up the quadrille or whatever and now he's storming off but also kate is confused too because she doesn't know what she's done either which kind of makes sense and so this whole situation is just incredible for me i love every second of this before we get back to the Sharma drama with with Anthony, we get the, I call them like a gaggle of geese. We've got a gaggle of geese, the the unimportant extras of the Bridgerton universe going to trap a man in an orangery. What, what would be a good code name for this mission? Mission, ah, oh, something orange trap or something. Y'all will come up with a more clever name. We need to come up with a clever name uh, for this plan. And so... <laughs> Mama Featherington takes every adult who's not busy on the dance floor over to the orangery and they go and they crap or crap <laughs> classic womp womp they go and they trap you think I'm editing that out I'm not uh, Lord Featherington and this is wild to me if this is enough to trap a person into marriage if this whole situation is enough then Kate and Edward Kate and Anthony need to be married 1800 different times in six different alternate universes of each other's lives because they have spent so much alone time together touching hands like getting the mouths close to necks and stuff and they're like like this is ridiculous that like they walk in they walk in and they all like what they all see is like them just standing next to each other talking in an orangery. Yes, they're unchaperoned, but like the door is wide open. They're clearly not trying to hide anything. Clearly nothing was going on. They're not like leaving an embrace or whatever. And Mama Featherington is the worst actress. Not really, like Polly Walker's ama amazing, but playing Mama Featherington as a sleuth who's kind of caught them was really, really funny. She's like, oh my god, how dare he? I saw his hand come off her waist. What a scandal. And then one of the other extras is like, yeah, yeah, he, she's yours by honor, which is unreal. And then he says, wait, wait a second. His response is really genuine. He doesn't even seem like super shocked he's like wait no surely this is fine you were all here you all saw this i was just here to meet lord fife but even better is lord fife is one of the people in this gaggle of geese coming to bust up the or coming to lay down the the trap here that was also absolutely hilarious and then everyone's like yep you you have to marry him sir are you gonna marry him mr featherington if she wishes it she is yours by honor and then prudence God bless Prudence, takes 10 minutes to catch on to what's going on here and then goes, oh my God, yes, I would love to, I would love to marry you, Cousin Jack, which just isn't a sentence that should be said out loud. But yo, we have a classic trap scheme done and dusted. And we all know after this, it's going to be fine for the Featheringtons. Mama Featherington had a great idea. She picked the smartest of her daughters to clue into this plan here. They're married now. He's super rich. He's going to provide for the family trap, secure, uh, the, the gaggle of geese have been used and, and nothing is going to go wrong from here. Well, the well the orange trap was happening after the ball sequence. Anthony stormed off to a room of some kind, and Kate goes and follows him into the room. Which again, based on what we just saw at the orangery, is enough for them to have to get married six times and have fifteen children and whatever. Like this is unreal that they're getting away with this, especially because later they get caught by Daphne, which I suppose is the best person you want to get caught. 
you want to get caught by. There you're talking about Edwina or whatever. And Anthony's like, have I done something to you? Do you hate me? And Kate's like, yes, I do hate you because you vex me. And I'm like, oh my God, like just... Like, I, again, don't want to be lube. It's like, just fuck already. You guys are so into each other. Like, they, Anthony's like, get get the ring out, Anthony. Just propose to Kate. It's going to be a little awkward. But like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with a little awkwardness, man? Like, just do it. Oh, this is the sexual tension here is just nuts because you want so badly for them to just shut up and just be with each other, and they won't do it. And I put, just get caught, like, just hope again, like, start making out right now and just wait for someone to walk through the door. Don't stop kissing until someone walks through the door and you have to get married. Then you are trapped into it. There's no choice. No matter how awkward it is, you have to do it and no one will stop you. And that's, everyone will actually expect it of you. And that's what I wanted so badly for them was to get caught here and have to do it because then they have to do it. And it's a lot less weird to try and navigate this whole thing. So they vex each other, which is, I don't know exactly what that means, but that's cute, whatever. And he says, I am a gentleman and my heart is with your sister. Like, oh, <laughs> like, yep, that's clearly what I'm watching. I got two eyes on this TV show. And what I'm seeing is definitely a man with his heart on Edwina, who definitely does not like Kate at all. I also put in the Facebook group a little drinking game. Drink every time. Anthony says, I am a gentleman while doing some like sexy ungentlemanly thing because it's all the time. I feel like this is at least the second or third time in this season that he's done that. But he's a gentleman. And he's like, say you don't care for me. Tell me you feel nothing. But like he's not saying this to her. His mouth is like an inch away from her ear, like enough that when the camera zooms in, you can see like the little hairs on their necks and everything. And so that's all going on. And then as Kate is about to say something, which I don't think was that, I think she was about to succumb to her emotion and do that. Daphne just interrupts them, which is, again, I'm not a big fan of all these interruptions, but again, I put Daphne fucking no, Jesus, ah, why does this show hate us so much? Like, this needs to be a crime. The show is just like, oh man, I don't even know. This is unreal. How, how much the show is depriving us of what could be quality Kate and Anthony time. Uh, but whatever it, it's been interrupted Daphne's there and <laughs> so Daphne Daphne knows immediately what was about to happen she sprints off and Anthony goes to chase her and he says Daphne it's not what you think which is what all innocent people say they just open up with it don't worry sister it's not what you think and Daphne has the iconic line this line better be on a mug or on a t-shirt or something I'm trying not to think about it at all actually which is absolutely perfect Daphne lays out all of the hypocrisy like hey do you remember that happened the time I was caught up in a ball with the Duke and you either told me he had to marry you he had to marry me or you were gonna shoot him do you remember that? And Anthony's trying to point out, well, well, technically, I'm going to open the rule book here. Technically, nothing happened. When you were making out with him, mouths were on mouths and his hand was on your butt. And that was what was happening. In this case, our mouths were just a millimeter apart and we were embracing each other in a romantic way. But that is not in this rule book of things that mean you have to get married. That's not in there, which... It is, kind of, because that's just what happened to Cousin Jack Featherington, so I don't know. Uh, we're playing loosey-goosey with the rules. At least Daphne has no has no um, insistence on enforcing the rules, which she should have just done. Daphne should have just gone and told everyone, yo, I saw them, they were making out in the, in the drawing room over there. Can they just get married? She would have saved everyone a lot of time and a lot of trouble. But Daphne goes with the better sibling approach and goes like, look, dude, like, and this is nice sibling work here, and I love these little bits of character work here. Like, man, 
you have to be honest with yourself. You like the sister. It's fine. Daphne's not even saying it's bad. There's no actual reason that him liking Kate is particularly bad. It's like, it's fine. You like the older sister. Just marry the older sister. You have to be honest with yourself, with Edwina. These feelings do come to the surface. And they do. They, they will. They will come to the surface. It's really hard to pretend that you don't feel these types of things for the people that you feel them about. And Anthony's like, yes, I will. I, I know what I must do. And I put in my notes, cue him doing the 100% opposite thing to what Daphne has in mind. But at least in this moment, it seems that Daphne thinks he, he or she got to him, which isn't the case. But again, another scene where I'm really admiring Daphne's approach to this as a sister, as somebody who has no real reason to approach it this way, because Anthony treated her like shit in, in his season out of a false sense of duty or out of like a warped sense of duty or whatever. But still, he was going to marry her off to Lord Burbrook or whatever it is. And so, you know, what? Daphne has no right to be this kind and this nice. It would have been so easy for her to just take it into her own hands, tell everyone that they made out in the drawing room or whatever, and then they'd have to be married. And that would have been that. Uh, but she doesn't. She takes the higher road. She wants Anthony to acknowledge his feelings for himself. And it's unfortunate that it doesn't seem like he's going to do that. But major props to Daph here for, for trying. Being the being the sister, or being the sibling that she needed last season, I think is helpful. I also wonder how much of this is, you know, Anthony's scandals have a lot more to do with the family. Like, if Anthony ends up in a scandalous situation, it reflects poorly on all the Bridgertons. And I guess she's a duchess now, so it probably won't affect her too badly. But it might affect her siblings or whatever, and she probably wants, like, Hyacinth and Gregory to have uh, an easy time and whatever. But still, I, I admired Daphne's approach here. Kind of at the end of the ball, Prudence is super mean to Penelope. We've got this a few times. Last year, she made some, like, weight comment that was really mean. Uh, she made uh, a joke, of, or not a joke, but she was, like, rudely walking around Penelope's room earlier in the season, and that was mean. And then Prudence is, like... Prudence is all in about marrying Cousin Jack. She wants Whistledown to write about it. She's going to be on Whistledown. She's going to be queen shit, and everything's going to be awesome. And Penelope's trying to explain, like, hey, hey, idiot, if Whistledown writes about this, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And Prudence, not knowing she's talking to Lady Whistledown, basically just accuses Penelope of being jealous and then says, it's now lady feathering to you. And I put, fuck off with that garbage, because I, as much as Prudence has been comic relief, do not subscribe to that level like penelope is great penelope's having a good time she has the right of it she has all of the featherington kind of iq points here and she's right and prudence you're just being a turd so stop it i wasn't a fan of prudence here following through with the evening lady danbury comes out sigh kate is on a balcony of some time cooling off uh there probably to think about her her day with anthony and kind of compress about that or decompress about that but lady danbury finds her and she says hey I'm just out here so Edwina can sleep. Fair enough. Good excuse. And Lady Danbury opens with the, have you yet told your sister? And then there's this big pause where Kate's like, fuck, 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 fuck. She knows. She knows. Have I told her about Anthony? And then Lady Danbury goes, about the inheritance scheme. And Kate takes the biggest sigh of relief in a way that gives away the game completely. But just like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The inheritance scheme. Yeah, that's that's what I had in mind. Yeah, no. I haven't I haven't dealt with that yet, but I will tell her. And then she says, I fear I have ruined it for Edwina with Anthony and Lady Danbury with some of the best dialogue in the show, knowing exactly how Kate feels about Anthony, but is going in a roundabout way here to try and get Kate to understand it herself, goes something like, 
Okay, you came here for one specific reason. You are so close to getting what you want. This is a match that Anthony seems to want. This is a match that Edwina definitely wants. They've been charming. They've been nice. They've been kind. They did two dances together, and we all know that means they must be engaged. What is the problem? Why do you insist on getting in the way? And Kate doesn't really have a good answer to this. And Lady Ember's like, be honest with your sister with yourself about whatever it is you feel she's not telling kate how to feel she's telling kate to just be honest that's it it's it's the reverse daphne um i i kind of think of this as like everyone's in a boxing match and they have their corners kate's in her corner with lady danbury which brings it where's mama sharma in all this like she's just is she even here is she even a person like what is her role as the mom of these siblings but whatever Lady Danbury's in the corner with Kate and Daphne's in the corner with Anthony. And while those relationship dynamics are different, they're all saying the same thing. It's like, none of this is bad yet. This is still a, a train that can avoid being derailed here. But you just have to be honest. Like, do it. Like, what are you doing? Just, I don't know what you feel, Kate. It's clearly more than you're letting on. You gotta be honest with yourself. You gotta be honest with Edwina. And we'll see if Kate does it. But on the, on the, on the out of the balcony there, Lady Danbury kind of turns to her and says, careful, or you shall catch a chill. And I just, that line reading milked every word of that line, but just, just stone cold, you know, right through the heart, piercing through all the veils. Absolutely. Just, oh, I felt that. I felt that. For I was surprised Kate didn't like fall over, be like, oh my God, that was too much. Um, so we'll see what Kate does. Is she going to be honest? Is she not? Who knows? Um, but by the end of the episode, it's going to be too late. It's now morning time. You know, the ball was fun. The evening's done. Kate, uh, will find out if she caught a chill or not, but the Featheringtons, Mama Featherington, uh, after, uh, Lord Featherington comes in, she's like, you just can't come in here. And he's like, oh, come off it. Why? Why? Because a man and a woman being alone together would be scandalous or something. And he knows that she set it all up and she says, yeah, I set it all up. You can't kick us out now. Ha ha ha, idiot. You're super rich. And now you have to marry Prudence, which means we're all going to stay in the house and use all your money checkmate motherfucker and then he's like ha, 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 ha. reverse uno porsche featherington because <laughs> draw four you idiot because now i'm broke those mines are a disaster i was trying to marry the calpers for the money you absolute idiot that dowry which i don't know how much these dowries are it's a little bit weird to me that one dowry would be enough to fund a household for a significant amount of time but other than that he's like yeah that dowry was really important i was trying to marry into wealth and now i can't do that because i'm going to marry a prudent so we're all here we're all going to be one family cousins marrying cousins with no money this is going to go well and i just love so much that our our chief scheming specialist portia featherington absolutely played herself everything she touches like what's the opposite of turning to gold like melting like everything she touches it's just absolutely awful and now we now know that they were they were barons like it was baron featherington and so i don't know if the new lord featherington is now a baron but they're they're under they're under a viscount right they, they don't have the most resources at their disposal to start with and uh portia featherington everything she touches just being made worse like stellar 10 of the 10 uh play here from miss featherington the only problem was she played herself
Colin and Penelope have a fun moment on the stairs. All I want to say about this is just while we're on the theme of being honest with ourselves about whatever it is that you feel, this would be so much easier if Penelope just told Colin how she feels. I know she can't tell Eloise because Eloise would be like, how dare you like a man, specifically a man that I'm related to. So I know why Eloise can't really know about how she feels about Colin, but I don't know why Colin can't know. Like, just tell him whatever happens, happens. I don't know. Just while we're in the mood for that this episode. Uh, that, that's what I would have liked on the outro here on the outro of the, of the, the time at Aubrey hall, they are, they're going outside. We get lady Danbury and Kate kind of figuring out who's at fault here. What's going on? What the problem is, uh, Danbury, Dan, the, the Danbury look like she looks at the term elsewhere. They say, maybe his heart is elsewhere and she says she says uh, it's not kate's fault and i put it's 100 percent kate's fault at this point i think it's pretty much kate's fault and then lady danbury when they say his 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 heart must be elsewhere lady danbury has the awesome like cut like the eyes are just daggers piercing kate when that happens which was awesome anthony though cutting off kate right before she's about to give edwina crucial information now i don't know if she was about to talk about the dowry or her feelings but whatever it was it's a little too late now because he just zips down to one knee it's a really nice proposal i'm kind of into this proposal a little bit it's cute the scenery is nice uh, right outside of the carriage the bridgerton family looks completely like gregory has a face like what the fuck is he doing daphne's like oh my god he's not doing it mama bridgerton is shocked i think she thought that something was gonna go wrong here and he wasn't gonna propose or whatever i'm not sure if she's fully in on the kate thing but he he proposes she says yes yes i'll be the viscount i'll marry you edwina's really excited about this this is gonna create all kinds of problems not only was the proposal pretty public i know penelope's around to see it it was also one that the 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 bride here edwina enthusiastically agreed to so we'll we'll see how that goes here uh, i put in my notes so yeah this is far too many being pe people being cut off right before a big moment for my taste i know i mentioned that in the things i didn't like about this episode but other than that kate's face here oh simone ashley with the facial acting has just been awesome because her face here is it looks like torture it looks like fuck 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 i was just about to say something i was just about to do the right thing or at least approach doing something resembling the right thing and uh, this is just a face of torture and my last note for this episode is oh boy this is not going to go well this was another absolutely lovely episode of bridgerton though i'm really keen to see how this goes now that there's a proposal i'm not sure how they're wiggling their way out of this to have kate and anthony end up together maybe they don't end up together maybe they end up running away to india maybe they end up like kind of maybe maybe anthony and kate decide to be super dishonorable while he's married to edwina or something so we'll see how this goes i'm really excited though there's a lot of good stuff in this episode if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast don't forget to rate review subscribe all that stuff check out the facebook group check out the patreon let me know what your thoughts on the episode are gmail at let's die or let's dive deep pod at gmail.com we got twitter at let's dive deep uh, all of those things are great places to hang out. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next one.